You're listening to the Ecological Podcast, all about our positive partnerships with horses and other animals through work and play. Your hosts are Rebecca Bayliss from Little Green Stables and Kate Blackmore from Ecological Positive Partnerships. Hello, we're in the hay barn today because the weather is, well, just grim, horrendous, atrocious, wet, windy, not a very good spring, summer, but... Never mind, because we've come to you with lots of fabulous chat, as always. But we're going to talk about stress. And Kate has had a very stress-free morning, haven't you, Kate, getting here today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been um, just one of those days today where everything just seems to go wrong. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm here now. So You're that's here now. The most important A little bit thing. of road rage, but we won't yeah. talk about that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so today I really wanted to talk about stress because it is such a massive topic. Now, when I was kind of thinking about today and mentally preparing for this podcast, which we all know I like to she do. She does like to mentally prepare. <laughs> um, getting my thoughts together. Um, you know, stress is such a massive topic like I said so we are only going to cover like a really small part of it today and we've already done a podcast on threshold and over threshold horses but we're not talking necessarily about that this is more this is what I want to talk about today is actually the unseen stress yeah so uh the things that we don't aren't so easy to spot because you know we can tell when a horse is stressed when they like lose their shit (laughs) you know that's very easy to see But what I want to talk about is the underlying chronic stress that may be there and you're not quite seeing or how you can see that, how it manifests in your Mm. horse. Because to be able to do this type of training, you really want a stress horse or, or as stress free as possible yeah and we are going to talk about how stress is actually good as well I was going to say yeah. there is good stress yeah and you know, some people uh, we I always call like I know my I think we've talked about this before too but sometimes when you get excited that can be quite a stressful situation but that stress is quite positive so we have yeah. to be you know and and you can get I know my son my eldest before he used to play football that that he'd, he'd have a stress poo <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and that would be kind of he's like oh well, I'm nervous but it's a good nervous you know bring so, it on exactly so short-term stress is healthy okay mm. we all need humans mammals you know we all need that short-term stress Horses are prey animals as well, right? So mm. that is what they rely on to survive, that ability to be able to react really quickly, but then come down from that. And that's mm. the point. So yeah. we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute and how, um, you know, a little bit of stress is actually really good for our horses and how it can aid uh, certain things. Um, but first of all, you know, I wanted to say that we're going to cover just a really small snippet and you know there's lots of different forms of stress I'm not going to go into like weaning practices or prenatal stress or anything like that Mm. because it would just take too long to cover that so I am just or even mating practices yeah I know there's so much so we're just you know I had a just going to say a story because we haven't had one of your stories no because I've been busy chatting to lots of other people but I knew a mare who was put with a stallion who didn't take they didn't it didn't happen so they were going to sedate her oh to be my now God. isn't that awful At, they didn't they didn't 
But is it, that's, to me, I was like, whoa, that is proper welfare issues. You're going to sedate your mare so that the stallion can do his deed. Just AI if you're that desperate. But anyway. That's, that's pretty horrendous, isn't it? They were talked out of it, thank goodness, but they were up for it for a while. Yeah. That's traumatic for that, that mare. Well, really traumatic because that mare would have an understanding of everything that's going on, just not being able, not, not able to do anything about it. Um, yeah, hideous. Anyway. Yeah, and sedi- that takes us on to a whole other conversation about sedation and, mm. and you know, um, it's good, but it's also bad. It is, I know. <laughs> Let's talk about stress, um, baby. Okay, so yeah, so I want to <laughs> um, concentrate on uh, this kind of chronic long-term stress, which kind of goes unseen a lot and, and how that relates to our management and um, then maybe I thought in our next podcast, Becky, that comes after this is we will talk about the horse's needs and, and why things are, are caused by that. So I thought it'd be a nice little double, a double podcast we could do. So why do we need to think about unseen stress, this chronic long-term stress? Well, it can cause lots of things so it can cause stereotypical behaviors immunosuppression so that's suppression of the immune Mm. system um it can take longer to recover from injury as a result of that you they can fall ill more easily shorter lifespan um it can affect performance and the ability to learn muscular problems stomach problems increased chance of colic you know loads and loads of stuff not even going on laminitis because no, you can yeah. have stress induced laminitis, laminitis exactly so let's just talk a little bit about what stress is so the oxford dictionary defines stress as a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or demanding circumstances and i've underlined demanding circumstances because you know what a lot of people don't realize is simply our management of horses and a lot of your typical management practices or more traditional livery yards um riding schools all of that stuff are demanding circumstances for our horses because it's so far from the way that they are built to live and and be um So what happens is because of this, as a result of this, you get the prolonged production of cortisol within Mm. the body. And, you know, if you if you haven't heard about this stress hormone, basically it's um, it's important in that short term stress response. But long term, it can cause all those things that we were just saying Mm. about, you know, this unseen stress and it depletes the adrenal glands as well. So, um, so reaction just becomes um, more and more difficult because you don't have that supply of adrenaline mm. to mm. count on to have that quick reaction. And we did touch on cortisol and the the effects of it in the brain when we were chatting with Rachel Beddingfield. And I know that you, cortisol, from a short-term stress point of view, can take something like 48 hours to leave the body. But chronic stress can be up to six months but actually it's much longer than that it can take over a year to leave the body so I have interestingly enough and I you know I'm gonna say this and tell the world this now um but I 
I hope as the world's you, listening. I know, I know. <laughs> well, no, but as you know, I have advanced osteoarthritis in my right knee mm-hmm. that I di- got diagnosed with a year and a half ago. Now I'm a healthy, active person, right? But I also suffer from anxiety and have done from depression as well. Mm. And I believe that because of this cortisol that I've had in my body, and I've actually read that it can lead to osteoarthritis and all these problems. And I actually think that mine are related. Right. And that that's kind of why I'm at where I am at with my knee now. Yeah. and so, I, you know, I think they probably don't know the full extent. I think there's so many things that, yeah. you know, it can affect. It's really something, you know, for, on a human level, you know, we're so far from what we're supposed to be doing. You know, life is so unnatural and, you know, there's so much yeah. pressure. We can relate it to horses, right? We can, so this social media, this just the, everything about how we live and the pressure that we have, just transpose that to a horse because that's pretty much how a horse... It doesn't feel like that, but it feels the same physiological... It still has the same physiological responses Yes, yeah, I know what you mean. And I think our worlds are so full of stuff, aren't they? We fill our lives now with so much stuff. Think of it like this, right? Kids, yeah? Mm. So I'm really passionate about this. So we are... My eight-year-old... My nine-year-old son... Okay, who's very, very busy, um, is expected to sit down from 9 till 3 p.m. every day. Mm. That goes against everything that his body is telling him to do. We should be moving, we should be foraging, we should be fighting, we shouldn't be sat still, mm. you know. Mm. And the effect that that has on him, and you know, when the teacher's saying, Well, he doesn't sit still, and it's like, But I don't want him to sit still. I yeah. actually got him one of those wobble cushions so he could move because movement is so important. And it's like, so even kids, you know, just from the very beginning of our lives, we're, we're being asked to do stuff that goes so against the grain mm. of what we're designed and, to And do. we live in a correction world, don't we? We'll be corrected. So in that school environment, you're corrected all yeah. the time, which is, again, goes, you know, when we're talking about the world that we do with positive reward-based training, we're using that with our horses and our other animals, but it's, it's, kind, it's really difficult for us sometimes because yeah. we live in a world where we, everything we do is corrected. So that early age, do you, you know what I mean? Yeah, You're, Everything is corrected. And I listened to something the other day and it was really interesting. It was, and I can't remember what it was, but it was a podcast and it was... This, if you think about when your child learns to read and they read that first book that's for like a three-year-old and then you're like, great, now you can move on to read the books for a four-year-old. Oh, great, now you can move on to read the books for a five-year-old and so on and so on. We don't say to that five-year-old, go and read that book that you read when you were a three-year-old and see how amazing you are now. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, And it, it's a really interesting point because we don't. We're always... Demanding, striving demanding. striving for the pressure. next bit. Yeah. And, and I think that... That's a human thing. That's what we do. And then, unfortunately, without realising it, we then start putting that pressure on, the, on everything in our environment. And that goes down to our husbands, our partners, our children. And ourselves. ourselves and our animals, you know. I taught a course the other day, canine skills, with a group of um, therapists. And it's really hard sometimes for us therapists to shut off. We do have a lot of burnout, like mm. similar to vets. Because we can't always fix everything. We can't always mend the animal. We mm. try our best, but sometimes it's bigger than us or we don't know what it is or whatever, or we'll get two steps forward and one step back. And 
I'll get phone calls or messages at 8 o'clock on a Friday night. I'll get messages at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, you know, because I am that person's... It's their, their animal that they love. So they don't see me as a 9 to 5 person, mm. and I'm not. But there doesn't, there's never a cut-off. There's never an end to my working day. It's a constant working mm. day. And I was saying to these therapists, what you have to work out is what's urgent and what's important. Mm. So when you get back from that day, like yesterday, for example, I did a full working day at Conquest, a lot of horses, mm. they're big horses, they don't like picking their feet up. I get home, I'm pooped, mm. I'm knackered. You know, the first thing I want to do is eat chocolate and drink wine. Yeah. I tried to hold off. Do you prioritise which one of those to do first? <laughs> well, one, I've got two hands. Yeah, I just got one mouth. But... Um, <laughs> But because I had been working all day, my phone had a lot of messages on, had a lot of emails, I had yeah. a couple of vets contact me, I had clients contact me, and I get back and I'm like, oh, you know, I need to cook the dinner, I need to feed the dogs, I need to go and check the horses, I need to feed the sheep, I need to sort the parrots out. Okay, what's important and what's urgent? What's urgent are my animals. Mm. So Not I'll, my kids. My yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, my, my children are like 15 and yeah. 17, you know, so it's different. But what's important and what's urgent? It's urgent that I go down and make sure my horses have got enough feed. Mm. It's urgent that, you know, but it's important that I get back to those clients that have messaged me about their dog or their horse or whatever it is. So mm. it's, it's, it is hard, but it's about us trying to manage what's urgent and what's important because we are bombarded with everything there's a you know letters do you remember the good old days of letters where you wrote a letter you'd write that letter down you'd send the letter it would take two days to send by the time that person got the letter they'd read the letter then they'd reply so you'd have a good old week break oh, before yes. you had that reply now you ping someone an email they're pinging it back at you within seconds you know so yeah. we we've we've created what we think is an easier world but actually, the we've made it harder for ourselves yeah. because we can just fill more in that time. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. It just builds and builds and builds and it will not yeah. stop. It will not stop. No, it will not stop. That's it. Anyway, we're digressing a little bit. So let's Into go life on chat. Okay, <laughs> so, so back to stress. You know, like we said, short-term stress is healthy. Cortisol is supposed to fluctuate yeah. within the system. Um, and it is, you know... Horses, if you think of like really high performance horses when they have to, you know, do those massive jumps or whatever they're doing, that that adrenaline kick is what helps them mm, get mm. over. Whether it's right or not, or how it's done, you know, this is it does affect performance, improving performance, and you know, it increases oxygen to the oxygen to the limbs, and you know, or it does all these other processes mm. basically to to get the goal done. But what happens when that? continues and that doesn't go down and it's just always working there at a low level so um that is that is the bit that that is very common and so you know we talked about there being some behaviors that you see so let's just go back to those so another massive thing that comes out of this kind of uh, chronic stress is stereotypical behaviors mm -hmm. so um for example you've got topper topper is the next racehorse at conquest that i've talked about before he's on livery he doesn't wear there we would you know he's done his thing and, and he's retired he's living retired. the dream yeah he's living the dream and um but you know he's a windsucker mm. and and that will not stop because um 
you know, it, it, it is it's that fulfilling a need it's now. It's fulfilling a need now, but <clears throat> that was because of the, the yeah. stress of, of the management of him whilst he was a racehorse. Mm. As we know, as racehorses, you know, turnout is very little, if at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a lovely clean stable and a massive bed and it's all lovely, but that's not important to a horse. That's mm. kind of, you know, we can make it look clean, but the horse doesn't really give a shit you know how clean the stable wall is yes it's important for hygiene reasons to a certain mm, extent but no. you know we don't well, need it to look the pristine feed as well the f- yeah, yeah and so fed, being fed on concentrates completely goes against the way mm. that they and their high you know energy concentrates as well that is a whole i you know i would love to do uh, we were talking about doing a gut chat weren't we yes yeah um and getting a certain someone on to talk about that because that is a whole specialist area that yeah. i would i've also got a friend who used to work as a jockey in the racing industry she's written several books and um she'd be really good to yeah chat that would to be really she's, interesting. she's raced all over the world worked with horses in japan and all sorts of, yeah that would be really good but yeah that'd be really interesting so the stereotype typical behaviors that we would see are the cribbing wind sucking weaving uh, box walking, head tossing, chewing, pacing. Mm. So if you're seeing any of those on a yard, then chances are that that horse is suffering long term. No, you get. Stress. I've got clients with horses that do these things, and it's it is hard to see. But a lot of the time, they will try and stop the horses doing this, and I worry about that because if you try with two adversive methods to stop them doing what they're doing, yeah. it just creates more of a problem. And they just want to do... They, they'll either find something else to do, which is just as damaging or could be more damaging, or you're just adding more stress. They're yeah. using it as a, as a method to try and de-stress, aren't they? They self-soothe. They're using it as a self-soothing. So in my opinion you know, it's pretty it's sad and horrific, like these collars that they put on mm. to stop mm. um, wind sucking and all that yeah. kind of stuff. It's just horrendous. Like, yeah, I think it is because, you know, this horse is, like you said, trying to, it's a coping strategy. Yeah, it's a isn't self-soothing. It? It's yeah. a self-soothing coping strategy and it may not look good. And I know a lot, do you know what? A lot of people worry about, um, other horses mimicking the behaviour. Mm. I know that that was a massive worry at Conquest with a few people that everybody thought all our horses were going to start windsucking because, um, and this is when we had stables, because Topper was. Now, I don't know if there's any there, scientific there evidence out there, there for that. There is. There was a study done on racehorses, and I'm pretty sure that there is an increased risk of them mimicking it. But it's not. I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, there's actually. an increased risk of them mimicking the stereotypic. It's a bit like when they kick the door, isn't it? Because they want the feed. One will kick the door, and then the next one will kick the door, and then they all. Do you see what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but that but one that's, is slightly different it's because a different, that gets yeah. that gets reinforced. Yes. Like it usually. Yeah kicking door because the yes, person comes course, over and yes. goes or shouts at them and says stop kicking the door yeah. and then the other horse goes oh okay but the wind doesn't yeah exactly and uh, you know from I mean we've never none of the other horses no, ever no. picked up anything like that but you know it's it's and then that horse gets put separated 
Yeah, you know, so and no then one that, can see him. And then that increases the stress even mm. more. And, you know. and quite stressful for the owner if they've taken on a horse with that stereotypy, which wasn't their doing, you know. They've mm. taken on that horse, they've got that horse, and they're in a yard and it's doing that, and then you get comments, don't you? That yeah, can be that's quite really hard. stressful for, for the person. But um, yeah, yeah, finding and understanding. So I'll, I'll tell you about Topper and Kate because it's quite, you know, funny, and Kate um, won't mind at all. So Kate is Topper's owner, by the way. Yeah, and a different Kate. she's one. She's an equine <laughs> counsellor at Conquest. Anyway, she came to Conquest with three horses and George, Topper, and Cherry. And unfortunately, Cherry left us. She had um, tumours, brain tumours. Um, but we, we've left with Topper and George. And so Topper came, and obviously he's a windsucker. And we spent a lot of money on new fencing for our track system, which Topper pretty much destroyed very quickly <laughs> because he was just windsucking on all the mm. posts and everything mm. and it was an absolute nightmare for Kate and we're like Kate and it's a nightmare for us because obviously we love Kate we don't want to make her you know go well you're going to have to pay you know three four grand for this fencing she can't afford that you know she works yeah. for a charity and um so it was <laughs> it was really hard so what we did in the end is we put the we screwed um, some of the screws on the top to run the line right on the top yes, of the thing. Yes, I know, yeah. And then provided places for him to actually be able to do that. Yeah. So safe places yeah. yeah. But there's also, um, and I think we've talked about it on this podcast before, so there's a lady, and I can't remember off the top of my head her name, who's doing some research and has managed to affect wind sucking through positive reinforcement sessions. Oh, I don't know. Have we talked about so, that? Yeah, so, yeah, uh, so this, I actually heard this on Alexandra Curlin's podcast, Curiosity. Yeah. So, um, I will find it out and we'll put it in the description okay. of this podcast. But there's a lady that is, yeah, so she goes into the stable and I think she's, it's only for a couple of minutes, but she's managed to stop that behavior because more often than not it seems to come it comes after a bite of food right so they go for a bite of food and then they there's like a it's like there's a little cycle to it you know there's you can kind of start to predict when it's going to happen that isn't that like anything in behavior if you think about it there's a there's a start there's the behavior do you see what i mean there's a pre-behavior behavior behavior, post-behavior yeah Yeah. that's all one thing so we need to look at that yeah as Okay, he's doing the windsucking, but what yeah. did he do before, and what does he do straight away after? And then you can build a bigger picture, can't you? Yeah, that's how absolutely. you map behaviour. Exactly. So just getting back to this, you know, long-term chronic underlying stress. Mm. Um, so you know, our management of our horses can cause that stress. Yes. So Daisy at Conquest. Yes talked about her before shire horse she was with conquest for many many years and she um was allergic to everything sweet itch like always had the these problems we had blood tests sent to america and she was allergic to everything and you know it was something that was really difficult to manage in the summer we got through it by applying lots of stuff that you give us becky Mm. but um you know it was difficult but then um she was, we had stables, There's, we, we used to keep them in stables, they used to go down to do their lessons, we didn't do any enrichment stuff, and it was more traditional based training, and so what happened is we, she got really bad actually, and she was, 
she was suffering from sweetage, but something else, and she just was never getting quite back to mm. being okay. And then we knocked down all the stables and changed how we did everything, and it, it completely changed her, completely changed her, because we weren't working against that chronic stress, against that. It, her, immune, her immune system just wasn't working because of the stress, mm. so she was just getting more and more ill all the time and more susceptible to stuff. So that made a really big difference. And, you know, we've talked a lot in our enrichment podcast about management and how we can help, uh, you know, make things a little bit more natural for mm. them. So I just kind of wanted to go over, you know, meeting your horse's needs a little bit. Because I know we've talked about it from an enrichment perspective, but I wanted to just explain to those of people that may not know what ethologists, so those that study feral populations in, you know, in wild or... Your Lucy Reeds. Yeah, your Lucy Reeds and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, have discovered uh, are the important things to a horse, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. So they have eight kind of priority needs, yeah? And in understanding these needs better, we're able to better manage our horses mm -hmm. and meet their needs and avoid this long-term chronic stress. So they are all kind of dependent on the one before as well. So number one is, is the most important, number eight is least important, but if number one isn't fulfilled, then it's unlikely that number two will be able to happen, okay? Mm -hmm. So um, number one, let's see if you can guess. Don't look at my notes. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, what do you think is the most important thing to us? Let's go with the, yeah, the Food first one. Food and water. Incorrect. That's okay. why I like doing this because it's really and you don't pre-warm. You didn't pre-warm me. No, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you put me on the spot with there, giving me your three best tips. <coughs> Five. I'm high. Okay, okay exactly. That's okay, how it so feels. is it friends? Yes. So we 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 put it as safety and reaction. So friends is comes under safety. So in order to so the herds, then that, basically. Yeah, exactly. So herds mean safety for a yeah, horse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but number also, one is over food and water is the herd. Yeah, because imagine if a horse doesn't feel safe. If you don't feel safe, do you want to eat? No. No. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it is. It is because you've got many eyes to watch out for those predators, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. and help stay vigilant. They, if, if they're alone, they feel like they have to stay vigilant all the time. Yeah, chronic yeah. stress. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, oh my God. Like that horse, the horse that borders us is always alert. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. They, there's no downtime mm. at all. And then as we go through these, you'll see what kind of happens as we go along. So, you know, they are constantly... So, uh, how they work is um, they're, they're constantly kind of watching each other. So, if one horse raises its head and goes... Oh, there, yeah. There's like, a, then they, then they, they follow all, yeah, suit, yeah? They do. And actually, when they are sleeping, you always find that there's one on watch. Yeah, so is we're going to talk a little bit about okay. that in a minute. You're getting ahead Sorry. of me, Becky. <laughs> um, okay, but also the... It's the space to react, okay? So if you have a horse in a stable and you're taking something into that horse, so we've talked about this about when we introduced that enrichment sensory board. Yes. Yes? Yeah. 
okay? So what we're not going to do is put that in the stable with the horse in there and the horse cannot get away from it. Right. Yeah? Because mm-hmm. they don't have the space to react. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to horses mm-hmm. to be able to... So if mm-hmm. you're going to introduce a new object, it's better to do it in a field. Or, yes. Or the stable door's open and the horse can come in and go out, come yes. in and go out. Yeah. Right? So that's, that's, that's really important. If they're cooped up, can't go anywhere... You're well, flooding them. You're flooding yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so that's number one. What do you think number two is? So number one is her. So number Safety two and reaction yeah, would be one. food then, I think. Yeah, yeah, food and water is number two. So, you know, obviously that is... All of these behaviours are for survival. Um, eating and drinking. Now, I'm not going to go into the actual time budgets of eating and drinking mm. um, because... Um, we don't have time today, but mm. we will do that in another podcast. But what we are trying to do through providing a constant forage, you know, ad-lib hay, all that kind of stuff, you know, not breakfast, lunch and dinner, um, is we're trying to get it more in line with the way that they would na- they're, they're, mm. they're designed to eat, mm. yeah, yes, and more yeah. natural way of eating. So... If we don't do that, for example, if we give one hay net a night to a horse in a stable, mm-hmm. yeah, that horse is going to get through that hay net in an hour. Possibly. Hour and a half. Depends. Yeah. So the, the, the other, like, eight hours. It's hungry. And its gut is empty. It's, it's gut is empty. But n- from a behavioural point of view, then you get boredom. Boredom is part of the neurological makeup of all those negative stress. Yeah, right, it's related. Okay. Yeah. So I had, um, we had a horse called Tommy, and we found it was in the winter, but he would, in the morning, this is when we had stables, his whole bucket of water would be gone, like a full tub of water. Now we know from ethological studies that, that horses will drink every other day and they'll take mm. on, like, oh, ooh, cut off the top of my head, how many litres? I don't know, but they. But I know what you. Five is it? Five. I want to say five. Uh, I don't know. No, no, no. It's more than that. Is it thirty? It's I'm just around throwing out, throwing thirty liters. I think it's I can't Now they get a lot 30, of water. Yes, yeah, thirty. Yes, thirty. They get a lot of water from the grass. Don't um, they? Yeah. So it kind of varies how much. Yeah. yeah. So they get most of it from the dew, from the grass, yeah. and all that stuff. Um, but anyway, so we're like, mm, okay, well, we know that this is kind of from those studies. We know that this mm. is an inconsistent behavior. So why is it important to know that? That could be a healthy issue like yeah, hyperglycemia yeah, or Cushing's or, well, or something yeah, related anything. like that. So we had him checked out by the vet. The vet said he's fine. So we're like, okay, so we put another bucket of water in the stable, right? He would drink nearly that, both of them. Gosh. And what we realized was... Um, that it was something called, and it, I'm going to have to look at it now because I, I, all I can think of is polyphasic, which is not actually what I want to say. Um, polydipsia, polyphasic polydipsia, which is basically he was drinking because he was bored. It was the only thing he wow. had to entertain him it was to play with that water, drink it because there was nothing else to do in that stable. Bless him. Yeah, I That's know. That's really sad. Isn't that sad? But, I mean, how many people keep their horses in stables overnight with one hay net? And one oh, well, and also, bucket? how many people would look at the water and say, oh, you just drink a lot? 
Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. I'll give you two buckets. Now I'll give you three. <laughs> and that's why in understanding the behaviours of our horses and their priority behaviours, their maintenance behaviours, are we better at managing them and to look after them because we understand how they would be and um, how they act in so feral... So the vet didn't tell you that then? No, I found that out. Oh, there you yeah, go, gold star. I know, I was, like, <laughs> I was very impressed with myself. No, because the vet isn't... isn't you know, it was nothing... Nothing medical. No. Bless him. Yeah, I know, but it's very common practice to do that. That was one of the things that started the changes. I wonder, you know, whether you get... I know you get messier horses than others, but just a thought, you know, you'll get some horses that will kick their bed around everywhere, don't you? And yeah. obviously that can be frustration because they're... Or they may be over threshold, but also could be boredom. And just, again, Absolutely. it's stress. You'll get really horses that will just... Oh, you know, you go in a stable, he's a real messy boy, you know, and you're like, okay, that's a bit of a flag too. Could I find anything to kind of, you know, just get that seeking system, just nuzzle or whatever, just have it rifle through their bedding. Like, you know, just imagine just being how long that is just in that stable, especially just imagine when you can't touch your friends or speak to your friends or... Or go anywhere or do yeah, anything. It really puts yeah. things into perspective, right? Really, uh, it really does. I don't want anybody listening to this who keeps their horse in the stable be like, oh my God, I'm, you know, there's stuff. If Go back to our enrichment podcast. There's yeah. stuff you can do to help your horse and enrich that stable and help them. Um, but I think it is an important thing that people yeah, need, to, really to need to know. Okay, what's number three? I think I know this, and that is rolling and grooming. Yeah! <laughs> because it shocked me that it was so high up the yes, list. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, but I remember you doing a little post about the donkeys in the arena in Conquest, and they, were, they would come in for a roll and everything, yeah. and, and um, it was really important. And you'd put something like, do you realise this is number three on like the, the needs? And I was shocked at yeah. how high up it was um and and or, and actually at the time it did change because I generally so I have the school and the yard and in the winter time the horses have this I don't use the school as a school it becomes a giant litter tray I obviously poo pick it but it becomes an area for them to be able to roll and to lay on that's soft and be together um safe from the mud but in the spring and the summer the school gate is closed, the school is raked, and we use it for schoolwork. <laughs> and, it, but from, and, and I'm quite like, oh, I don't want to rake it every day or yeah. rake it every week, so we're going to have it closed and they're not allowed in it. And actually from that post, I remember, no, 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 the school needs to be open. Oh, so it did lovely. change. It that's absolutely brilliant. changed my practice on that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's brilliant. Good. Oh, I mean, you know, your horses are very lucky, Becky. You're very understanding and, and want to do the best you can by them, which is amazing. Um, so, yeah, body care is number three. And this is the one that shocks everybody. That they, they just don't realise the importance. But if you think about it in survival ways it's the way of keeping them their their outer coat healthy right and all that but it also increases that social bonding Mm. yeah which reduces stress which reduces stress so you have mutual grooming yeah you know which the horses they won't mutual groom with everyone they have preferred partners usually i think we've talked about this before it's like age sex and size um, so they can meet each other's needs, and as we know from grooming as well, grooming at the each other's withers seems to be. Um, studies have shown that it reduces heart rate as well, so it's calming. 
but also self-grooming. So, you know, you've seen those really agile horses that are able to lick up, pick up their back leg and groom mm. underneath and whatever. Um, and it's, you know, using their hooves to kind mm. of itch and scratch Well, you and see stuff. a lot of the heavy horses or the horses with big feathers, they will groom their feathers because obviously they can get quite itchy and stuff. So it's, it is really important, that self-care, isn't it? Yeah, and also it, studies have shown that it's a way of silent communication. So rolling, for example, rolling, they, they leave uh, pheromones when they roll and then the next horse comes along smells it knows who's been there and you know so it is all about you know keeping that herd together as well um and they'll smell and pick up you know reproduction reproductive information and and stuff like that but yeah it's it is important to a horse and um and for uh rolling is you know a massive a massive thing and in the winter as you know like you just said um, our fields, you know, you can't roll in the fields. No. And, you know, stables, obviously dodgy. Cause Depends how big they and are stuff. and how big yeah. the bed is. And there was a study on bedding as well, wasn't there? I think, I can't remember it, but there was a study about the bigger the bed, the better for the horse. Obviously, they prefer it. But, you know, again, lots of people can't afford a lot of bedding. Maybe some people put minimal bedding down. Just I know, I know I've got clients that put bedding down purely just to soak up the wee. Yeah, And exactly. the horses will be stood in that stable all night yeah exactly but and it's then, not comfortable to yeah lay down and then they can't you know touch each other over yeah. the stable wall or whatever depending on the makeup so you know like i said go back to our enrichment podcast because we actually have stuff on how you can help fulfill those needs um for a horse and defecation and urination um come under this as well okay so that's interesting tell me more about pooing wee so well because it's just that it's about removing waste and toxins from the body so it's keeping them healthy isn't it so and also remember it is a silent form of communication as well smelling the droppings (gasps) we can find out what becky from smelling droppings yeah see my horses are fab jim took a while jim took a while to be trained but mine poo around the edge of the field they don't poo in the middle of the field which makes poo picking brilliant. But I wonder, because whoever started that started it, I expect it would be flan. And so they all follow suit because this is where we poo. We don't roughs. poo in the middle. Yeah, yeah, we poo in the roughs. But how amazing is that? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So. Yeah. We're going to end here. Oh. Yeah. We are going to do oh, because the, uh, yeah really I know I know it's really good <laughs> but we you've got to pick up your son I know I have and we don't have long enough to go I want to spend it rest and sleep needs a little <gasps> bit longer yeah rest and sleep so we're going to do part two yeah of this podcast next week yeah yeah we're going to do it on Monday okay and then um, it will come out after this okay I awesome. love how on our podcast we actually just organise what we're going to do we're so professional aren't we <laughs> <laughs> that's good no it's so good. we've got I really five enjoyed that. more. Five more that we need oh, to go through. So we're okay. going to go through them on the next one because I, I don't want to rush through them. No, definitely not. Can I just give a big shout out to our Patreons and to mention Patreon because we haven't mentioned it Woo-hoo. this um, on this podcast because we are putting up lots of content, aren't we? And yeah. we're getting some really good rain work and some loading stuff and some ridden work with rum and lots of other things and too. Al- and also, we do have some behaviour videos headed that way as well. Yeah. So stuff like this that we're talking about, but it's a little bit more in depth with some visual 
stuff. Yes, on and we've got a whole anatomy series. We've got a forage series of plants and stuff. So really, guys, come on for £10 a month. It is so worth it. I'm and really we want to see you over there yeah. and come, get chatting do, to we've us. We've got to do the Q&A soon, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, actually, got to do the Q&A. Yeah, yeah. But we will talk about that another time. Anyway, yeah. we're signing out. And I can't wait for part two now. I'm gutted. <laughs> this is I've not like Netflix. I can't, <laughs> can't gorge on it. If you'd like to make contact with either Kate or myself, you can contact us via Facebook, we are Little Green Stables or Ecological Positive Partnerships, or you can check me out, Becky, on my website www.littlegreenstables.com. We'd really like to make our podcast interactive, so if you have any questions or anything you'd like us to discuss, then that would be great. So send us a message either via our website or via our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube channels. Thanks, bye-bye.